Hey, Connection Point Church, I hope you're excited about this message today. I know I'm excited, but before I get into the message, I did see in the comments that Teresa, um, Teresa didn't know Joey could play keys, and so I just thought we would announce that not only can he play keys, he can juggle, he can do a lot of things, we're going to have him being, for the next few weeks, we're going to have Joey do a different talent every single week to start off the worship set, okay? And so, y'all get excited about next week, because Joey's going to be juggling, I think, or something, we'll, we'll find something good for him to show you his multi-talents, so. Anyway, today, uh, go ahead and get a, a pen and pad, or you can take notes in your Bible, but we're going to continue in Ecclesiastes. We're halfway through Ecclesiastes, and I know some of you are like, what? Only halfway through? But I promise you, today is a great message, and the point of going through so uh, this, this book, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, is that I really want you to just kind of understand, remember, we're on a, a, a journey for meaning and purpose, and I think this is going to serve you long in life if we just kind of hunker down. And since we're halfway through, it's kind of like the, if you've ever been through a, a midlife crisis, which I know none of y'all have. Have, but there are two ways we go through a midlife crisis is we either go and we buy all the shiny stuff. Maybe you're ready to just move on. You're in your, your mid-series crisis. I'm just ready to get to the fun stuff. I, I just want, or maybe you've done what hopefully we're going to do today. And that is we kind of evaluate, you know what? Am I living a life of purpose? Am I really finding stuff that's going to last and give me joy throughout this life and prepare me for the next? And so that's really why we're kind of digging into this. And so I want to begin with a mid-series checkup, so to speak. And I want you to just think about this, okay? Maybe by now, if you've been with us for, for most of the journey so far, you've at least understand the concepts of Hevel, that is smoke, that most of what we chase in life is a mist, it is smoke, it is not real. And we'll find ourselves pursuing stuff only to get to it and realize we can't hold on to it, it is not going to last. And so if you have discovered that there's something in your life that you've been chasing that is hevel, I want to encourage you, maybe you put it in the chat, maybe you just write it in your notes, but I want you to just kind of take a little evaluation. Where am I finding hevel in my life? Where am I chasing the wind, as the preacher says in Ecclesiastes? Another concept we've been talking about is living life under the sun. Where am I living life without considering the Lord? Where am I living life without considering God and his intention? Because if we do these, we may find momentary heaven, momentary joy, and it may really feel good for a moment, but it is not going to last and we're going to have to keep upping the ante. And I just want to challenge you maybe each week to just kind of revisit those questions and really begin to take this journey that we're, we're going through seriously. If You know what? If I come out on the other end, maybe I'll find how I can live a life of meaning. Now, we, we talk about this phrase under the sun and finding, finding meaning sometimes without God. But you know, last night uh, I was over at Matt Masulo's house and he had a telescope out and we saw Saturn last night with the rings and everything. And it just reminded me that even under the sun, God is everywhere. His purposes are everywhere. And so as, as we get into this, I want to, to just realize that even under the sun, even in this life, we can have joy. You can have lots of joy. You can have a lot of joy. You know, some of us live right now as if, you know what, we have our lot in life and how could I have joy with my lot in life, you know, with what I'm going through, with what our country is going through. Now, I have a belief that this is the greatest time and you are in the greatest place, and that's Texas, you are in the greatest time and greatest place 
to enjoy life. Your lot that you have been given is the best lot, I believe, in the history of the world. And some of you would disagree. Some would just, how can you say that? Especially on election week, especially this week. How can you say we can have a lot of joy? You know what? What I want you to do is I want you to finish this sentence. Maybe uh, you finish it here. Uh, in fact, if you're in studio, I want you to kind of say it out loud. Uh, and, and you type it in the chat. I want you to finish this sentence. I cannot enjoy my lot in life because of blank. If you were to finish that and say, you know what, I can't have lot, uh, a lot of joy right now. How would you finish that sentence? Anyone here bold enough? Myself. John says, John Williams says he can't enjoy his lot in life because of himself. That's right. Some of us can't get out of our own way or out of our own heads. That's right. Today, we are going to find out how to have a lot of joy. And when I mean a lot of joy, I don't mean just lots of joy, but I mean your lot in life is a lot that God has given you. He has put circumstances and gifts in your life for you to find joy, and we're going to find that today, okay? Now, I want to go ahead and say we're going through two chapters today because at the beginning of the midway point, one of the things the author has done in this uh, in the next two chapters, in chapter five uh, and chapter six, he's made it Reflexive. Now, the only reason you need to know that is we're going to actually go through two books to, or two chapters today, and they're reflexive, meaning the beginning of chapter five meets the end of chapter six, and then the middle of chapter five meets the middle of chapter six, and it leads to a point which happens to be in chapter five. So if you want to know why I'm going from chapter five and chapter six, it may be hard to follow today. It's because the, the author is using a literary device that I'm going to try to give us by themes today, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to, to identify three ways in which we miss our lot in life. And at the end, we're going to identify what the author of Ecclesiastes says. This is how you enjoy the lot in life, the lot that God has given you in this life. So let's go ahead and we're going to start in verse 8 of chapter 5. And I'm going to jump straight into chapter 6, 10 uh, through 12. Okay, so here we go. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher. There are yet higher ones over them, but this is gain, this is gain for the land in every way. A king committed to cultivated fields. Now, let me tell you what the, the first lot you need to recognize that is not your lot is this. My lot is not to fix a broken world. My lot is not to fix the broken world. And this is much needed because there's so much cries right now for fix the injustice, fix the broken things in this world. Of How can I enjoy my life when I know that, that there's injustice in the world? You know, some of us, even as Christ followers, we get caught up so much in our journey and our purpose here is to fix the things of this world. And that if we could just fix the things of this world, then we could enjoy our life. And some of us are missing out on, on joy right now. And you see it on the news. You see it on social media. Some of us are missing out on joy in their life because we are so focused on the injustices. We think, how can we enjoy things when injustice exists? Look at what it says. It says that in a, in a province, there is oppression of the poor. In fact, I want to go ahead to, to 610 through 12. And I want to show you kind of the, the concluding thought of this injustice. This is what he says. Whatever has come has already been named, and it is known what man is, that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. 
The more words, the more vanity, the more hevel. And what is that? What is the advantage of man? For who knows what is good for man and while he lives a few days of his vain life, which passes like a shadow. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? This is what the uh, author of Ecclesiastes says. This is what the preacher says. If you're going to try to fix the problems of this world, if you look off in in a far place, in a province that you're not living in, and you see an injustice, And you think, you know what? I'm amazed at this. I can't enjoy my life until I go out and I fix all the injustices. He he gives us some reminders. He says, the first thing is you need to understand that that's not one injustice. That is many injustices. In other words, you might take that one situation away. And I promise you, there is a hierarchy that somebody put that man in place. Somebody put, in other words, you're going to see it. And if you take one and try to fix one situation, you'll see that the vacuum will be filled and that injustice has been around for as long as we live. And what we need as humans, as, as people, we need to understand that the broken world is caused by our sin. And it's, it's, it's naive for us to think that we will fix what we broke when we are still thinking in a fall, with our fallen brains and our fallen minds and our selfishness. That we think we can go in and fix somebody. But what he says is, listen, it will always exist. You're always going to see whatever injustice you see. Somebody over him allowed it. Somebody over him allowed it. And he says, the best thing you can hope for in verse nine, he says, the best thing you can hope for is that you get a king that wants cultivated fields. And if you get this, then, hey, you need to be happy that at least we have a king that's trying to filter it down. But injustice is always going to be there. You cannot fix it. And this is so hard and especially hard for young people. In fact, every generation has a a generation of young folks that think they're going to fix what the previous generation broke or what the previous generation could not fix. And what they do not understand is that same generation had that same thought 20 or 30 years ago. And, And if you were to go back to the 60s, you would find youth saying they're going to fix what was broken. And now you see people that are looking, we're going to fix what they broke. And that's just a cycle of what happens. And so one of the things that we need to understand is our inability to truly, truly fix long-term justice. That, that is just not our life. It reminds me of a hymn that I used to, to hear. My, I had a professor in seminary. He would always say this. He would say, he would call us frail children of dust. And it comes from a hymn. It says, frail children of dust and feeble is frail. And, and just that idea says, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. In other words, God is the only one who can fix injustice. Yet some of us live our whole lives trying to fix something we cannot fix. And we see it right now. There are some of us who have put all of our joy and our hope in fixing injustice and thinking maybe this election or something's going to fix it. And what the author of Ecclesiastes said is, listen, you are going to find out that even trying to fix injustice and, and staking your joy and happiness on fixing injustice, you're going to find that's hevel because no matter who wins the election, no matter what happens this week, you're going to find that your hevel is still there, that your unrest is still there, that your un- unhappiness is still there. So he says, there's got to be something else. You know, every church that I worked for before we started this church, there was always some injustice. There was always some, uh, some, some, some politics or something that I would get caught up into. 
And I would always have this mindset that, you know what, I need to fix these people. I need to fix this situation. And it wasn't until uh, really I had a, a prayerful thought with my wife and we just prayed and said, you know what, God isn't calling us to fix this broken church or this church that, that has so much. He's calling us to flourish. He's calling us to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. And so we'd made the decision, instead of trying to fix things that have been broken for long before we got there, he was calling us to a new work. We want to see our life flourish and people flourish under the gifts that God had given them. So we left and we decided we were going to start this church. And that's one of the, the things I love about this church is there's a spirit of flourishing that God is leading us somewhere where he wants us to be. You know, as I lead a church though, one of the things that happens inevitably is every single person has a kind of a pet burden. Some of us have the burden of um, adoption and orphans. Some of us have burdens of injustice or homelessness or, hey, there are, there are people who are, are going through uh, social injustices. And everybody, a lot of times, will come to the pastor and say, hey, we need to fix this. We need to be about this. And one of the hardest things about maturing as a pastor is I had to finally say, you know what? We cannot, as a church, fix every injustice. Now, you may be called to go after one injustice, but you cannot live your life thinking, I cannot enjoy what God has given me until everything is fixed. In fact, the hardest, I think one of the hardest ideas in the Bible is when Jesus see, uh, has a woman come up and she breaks a, a jar, she pours a jar of perfume on, her, on, her, on his feet, and she anoints Jesus' feet and she just starts worshiping him. Very expensive perfume. The disciples, some of the disciples, they chastise her. And Jesus says this, you will always have the poor. The poor will always be among you. You need to worship God. He won't, and Jesus says, I'm here. You worship me when I'm here. The poor will always be here. It's hard for us to, get to fathom that even Jesus said, don't be amazed when you see injustice. Don't be amazed when you see poor. You cannot fix every single injustice. That your lot in life is not based on whether or not you can fix the injustice. The next thing we're going to see, he says, uh, my lot in life is not to upgrade my stuff. My lot in life is not to upgrade. And this is one of the, the great waste we see right now in our society. You know, we all have this kind of future version of ourselves that I'll be happy when I achieve this future version of myself. It may be wealth. It may be an, an achievement or an accomplishment. But one of the things, this is what he says in chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. He who loves money will never be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also hevel. It is also vanity. When goods increase, they who increase, they increase who eats them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. In verses six through, uh, in chapter six, verse seven through nine, the thought is continued. Remember, it's reflexive. All the toil of man is uh, for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This is vanity, a striving for the wind. You know, one of the things, even uh, leading a church that I've found is as we've grown, 
a lot of what I thought I was going to experience with a growing church was uh, more freedom and, you know, more just, you know, just relaxing. Oh, we're a little more stable. And what I found is, you know, we brought Joey uh, onto our staff. And one of the first things, instead of being excited, I was excited about it. I shouldn't say it that way. But all of a sudden I had this burden of, you know what, now we've got to make sure that we manage this in a way because I've got two families depending on this, not just my own family. I've got to, I had to actually um, increase and study and become a better leader just because all of a sudden I had a little more pressure. And that's what happens. So many of us think that if I had the wealth, then it would, it would fix everything. But the true reality is the more wealth you have, the more people that you're going to be responsible for, the more things you're going to have to control. In fact, your freedom is going to be limited and you're going to have to be a lot more systematic, a lot less, you know, spontaneous. There's so much that comes sometimes when we grow. And he says, you know what? The guy who's just getting his daily bread, who's just going to work, coming home, he sleeps really, really good because he's not worrying about all the mouths he has to feed. He's not worrying about all the things that could go wrong and not just affect his life, but affect everyone else's life. And what he's arguing for is he's arguing for simplicity, that really when it comes to finding your joy in life, it's you want a life of simplicity. And that's why he says what I think is great. It reminds me of something my dad used to tell my mom. He, my, my dad would tell my mom, your wanter is out of control. Anytime she'd go by on a shopping spree, your wanter is out of control. And see what, what the, the preacher is saying here is there is a way to get everything you want. But it's not getting more, because if you go after more, it will never be satisfied. You will never be satisfied. You will always, you'll get what you have, and then you'll want the next thing. It will never satisfy. The way to get everything you want is to want less and to, to realize, you know what? Everything I have, I have a house, I have a roof over my head, I've got food, I've got my daily bread, I've got my family around me. You know what? If I can be satisfied with that, it doesn't matter how big the house is, how fast the car is. I can all of a sudden realize, you know what? I've been blessed by God. The more you try to go after things to satisfy you, the more guaranteed that you will miss out on the purpose and joy God has given you. And so I want you to just take a moment. Think about what are the two or three things that you're most looking forward to? in the next few weeks, next few months. Uh, by the way, nobody say the end of the pandemic, okay? Let's just keep this pandemic free. What are you personally going after, okay? What are you personally going after? And if all the things that you're looking forward to are things, I wanna challenge you. If all the things you're looking forward to is I'm gonna try to get this or I'm gonna try to do this, if everything that you look forward to is always an upgrade from what you have, understand that is a carousel of futility. That is something that will never truly bring you what you think it will bring you. All right, so we've learned two ways that are not your lot. Your lot is not to fix every injustice. Your lot is not to, to upgrade your wealth. And the, the last one, hopefully these are knocking down some of, uh, of your um, sacred cows because a lot of us find ourselves going after these things. The last one is, is a big one. A lot of us will challenge this idea as well. My lot is not to save my wealth. My lot in life is not to save my wealth. Now, I'm not telling you not to save anything, but some of us have this idea that we can somehow provide ourselves so much control or so much security that everything in life will be happy. This is what Solomon says about this. 
He says, and by the way, before we even get into it, by wealthy, I mean everyone watching this. You have everything you need. Do you know if you have a net value of $90,000, meaning if you own a house, you're in this category, you're in the top 90% wealthiest people in the world. Do you realize if you have $4,000 to your name, if you have $4,000 in uh, the stuff you own, that you are in the top 50%. You are, we are richer than half the world. And so we're all wealthy. Understand that. And if you're not quite wealthy, maybe you're a little younger. If someday you buy a house, you're going to be in the top 90%. Okay? The top 10%, I guess you could say. Um, this is what he says. There is a grievous, grievous evil. This is evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches that were kept by their owner to his hurt, that's one, and those riches that were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father to a son, and he has nothing in his hand. So there's some people that, that die with everything they've ever gotten. Every gift, every dollar, every dime, they die with it. He says that is an evil and he said, there are some people that squander it, okay? They, they're, they're, they're frivolous with it, and they're not able to give anything to their children. They're not able to, to bless anyone with it. Those are evil, he says. He says, he came from the mother's womb, and he shall go naked as he came, and, nothing, and take nothing for his work that, may, that may, he may carry away in his hand. This is a grievous evil. Just as he came, he will go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, he eats in darkness. Now understand that back in the day before electricity, that you would light a lot of candles whenever guests were coming over and you were going to eat when your family was going to be there. But usually you wouldn't bother lighting all the candles in your, light, in your house if it was just going to be you eating. So he's saying he's going to eat literally in darkness just because there's not, no point to turn on all the lights. It's just him. He's alone, even though he had all the means to bless his family, all the means to invite people over and share what he had. He could have, but he kept it for himself or he spent it on the things he wanted frivolously. It says in verses six through uh, one through six, he gives a little example of this. He says, there is an evil I have seen under the sun and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom, and, and y'all, you might want to underline verse two, a man whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all he desires. Yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It's a grievous evil. God has given him everything he can, but because he's trying to control his wealth, he's trying to manage it and say, you know what, I got to hang on to it. I got to have this. Somebody else some other day is going to enjoy it. And he's going to miss out on the gifts God gave for him to enjoy. He goes on. If a father, and he's using hyperbole here. If a father, if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things and he has no burial. His, his, he had everything he wanted and yet he, he's so alienated and didn't use what he had to bless and enjoy. And so he ends up, no one even comes to his funeral. They don't even throw him a funeral. He says that's a, a grievous evil. Now, what he's about to say is a hyperbole. This is not theology, and I, I just want to be sensitive to it because uh, I know some of you have experienced this, but he's using this as a point. The worst thing he could think of for someone to experience was a stillborn child. This is what he says. I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. 
For it comes in vanity and it goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun nor known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. And again, this is not theology, but what he's saying is when you just look at the lives of the two, one who experienced everything and one who experienced nothing, one of them is going to to be able to find rest even though he's known, but one is not even in the afterlife. There's going to be this angst, this you missed out on what God could have given you. He says, it's a grievous evil and ends, even though he should live a thousand years twice over and enjoy yet enjoy no good. Do not all go to the same place. In other words, listen, you can live your entire life and God has given you everything, but if you just save it, you don't share it with your kids, you don't share it for anyone, you will miss out on what God has for you. I see workaholics, I see cleanaholics, I see nagaholics, people who just can't enjoy where they are. You ever had, you know what a nagaholic is? It's with somebody who, everything's right, you're all sitting there, and yet they can't enjoy what's going on because, well, yeah, okay, and they can't enjoy even though everything could be right. Cleanaholics, uh, I think of Mary and Martha, they, they, everything's right, Jesus is right there. Well, I, I got to keep cleaning and you miss out on what's right in front of you. Workaholics are very easy to see. Some of us are going to work our whole life so we can have security. We're going to miss out on, on a lot of important things, but we're going to do it in the name of security. And we're going to find out at the end that the only thing, the people we were trying to give security to, the only thing they wanted was us to be there. So he says, listen, my lot is not to save my wealth. It's good to plan. It's good to plan for the future, but you need to enjoy the day. You need to enjoy the day. Now, both of these kind of reflexive chapters come to a head at chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. This is what it says. It says, my lot in life is to share and enjoy. My lot in life is to share and enjoy. This is what... It says, behold, I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat, drink, and find enjoyment in all the toil which one toils under the sun for the few days of his life that God has given it. Who gave you the days of your life? Y'all say it out loud. God God has given you a gift, the days of your life, so that you may, for this is his lot. You have a lot in life. You have, everybody right now, type in the chat or say, I've got a lot. You have got a lot. God has given you a lot, and your lot is not your circumstances. It is the gift, the days, everything God has given you. And that's what he's saying is, listen, you have been given a lot. Everyone to whom God has given wealth and possessions, he's given everyone on this wealth and possessions. You are not worried about your daily bread. Think of it this way. If you've ever had a day where Amazon packages come to your house and you don't even know what's in them, that means you've got wealth, okay? You, uh, you need to, he says, listen, your possessions, he's given you the power to enjoy them. You need to accept your lot and rejoice in your work for this is the gift of God. For he will not remember his days of his life because God keeps him so occupied with joy in his heart. This is the goal. You get to the end of the light, your life, and instead of saying, oh, I wish I'd have done this, I wish I'd have done that, you're like, man, yesterday is awesome, and it's almost a surprise. Oh, this is the end? That was awesome because every single day I enjoyed it. I didn't save my money for some future time. I think, you know what, if you're going to give an inheritance to your kids, I'm not saying give it to them right now when they're young, or, but you might want to at least give it so you can see some of the enjoyment they're going to have with it. You can experience life with them or, or, or spend some of it with them on experiences that they can take forever with them. Now, here's what I want you to see. Wherever you are, you have a lot that God has given you. 
God has given you a lot in which you have the power to experience joy. This week, though, is an election. Have we, have we mentioned that? Okay, it's an election. And some of us can't experience joy because, hey, the world's in tor- tur- turmoil. Some of us can't experience because, you know, it, my, my, whole, uh, my whole life's been upended with all, that, all of the pandemic. I want to challenge you with the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. This is a man in prison. Let's remind ourselves that. For I have learned in whatever situation, whatever lot, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in each and every circumstance, I have learned the secrets of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. This is what he said. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. When we are in Christ and we realize our past has been, has been forgiven, that we, are, uh, that we are God's children and we have God's love on our life, everything that he gives us is a joy to be experienced. When we are in Christ, there is no one except for Jesus in authority. And he wants cultivated fields. He wants you to enjoy your life. That's the reason he's forgiven you. That's the reason he died on the cross. That's the reason he has paid the debt of your sins. It's because Jesus wants you to enjoy a lot of your life, the lot of your life. And so I want to apply this in two quick ways for us. The first way I want to apply it is this week to the election, okay? I'm trying to at least keep it a little. And I want you to think about this. God has given you everything this week to enjoy your life. Everything you need to enjoy Tuesday, which I'm not calling election Tuesday. I'm calling it Hevel Tuesday, okay? It is a mist that will be gone no matter which way you voted, no matter who wins. It is Hevel and it will be gone. I promise you it will not last. But I want you to think about this on Tuesday, Especially if, you, if you're somebody who's riding the waves of election and you think the world is going to end one way or the other. And if one candidate can, can decide whether you're going to be joyful this week or, or, or miss out on joy. I want to encourage you to think of all the things God has given you this week that you could enjoy. And on Tuesday night, I want you to, whether it's maybe you invite friends over, y'all turn off the TV, you put your phones away, and you enjoy Tuesday night and it's the best Tuesday ever because you have enjoyed what God has given you. You're going to use everything God has given you and you're going to use it because you have the power to choose joy, to enjoy your lot in life. That is what God wants for you. And some of you are going to let Biden or Trump rob you of your joy, even though God has given you the, the, the power to enjoy every circumstances, even the ones that you may be cursing or hurting with. Now, the second thing I want to do is I want to cast a little vision for this. You know, our lot as a church has been up and down lately, as a lot of people. You know, we don't have a building right now in which we can all gather together. And some people, that's frustrating. Oh, I wish we had this or that. But we also don't realize that not having a building has been a gift from God. We also haven't paid rent on a building. We also haven't had to, to ride the ups and downs of should we or should we open. It's been pretty much given to us. Okay, we're not going to open right now. But I want to just tell you that right now, as I've been thinking about whether or not how we should open and gather, I, I, I've been very clear that God is calling us to begin gathering. But one of the things that I really think during this time is that we need to lean into this season. You know, my 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 vision and hope for this church is that the next six months, seven months, however long things last, and that's just a guess, that at least that we lean into this and this becomes the 
the most exciting that we have more joy in our church in this season that we're about to go into than we've had maybe ever in this church. And so here's what we're doing. I just want to talk for a second on what we're doing. We're starting next week, we're going to have an experiment. We're going to begin gathering, but we're going to gather in what we call neighborhood gatherings. And all this means is that we're going to encourage you to begin gathering with your friends, family, church members, begin gathering and watching the live stream, okay? Now, some of you may be doing this uh, on a small scale in your home, and that's, that's a gathering. Let us know if you're, if you're meeting with other families in your home and watching the live stream. But next week, we're going to try something new. We're going to act, we have rented out the clubhouse and Inspiration, which is a, a community in North Wiley. And one of the things that we, we've done is we've just said, we are going to provide an opportunity for friends, family, and church members to get together and to watch the live stream. And we're actually going to try to make the, the neighborhood gatherings that are in the community uh, centers and in these clubhouses, we're going to try to make them exciting uh, in new ways, do some new things. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a live host next week at, the, at Inspiration at 1030. We're going to have live music so you can praise and worship. And you're going to worship with your kids. Are going to be During worship, your kids are going to be beside you. And it's going to be an awesome time of just live worship. And then after worship, we're going to, to just watch the live stream. Okay, I'm going to be preaching here live in the studio. And if you're at that gathering, if you choose to be in that gathering, you're going to just watch on a TV. Your kids are actually going to be able to go to a, a special children's experience. It's not going to be CPC Kids. It's going to be scaled down, but it is going to be an opportunity for them to, to learn about Jesus, for us to pour into your kids. But it's going to be an opportunity for you to gather together with people if you feel safe. But the thing I like about it is some of you, maybe you can't make it. Maybe uh, you don't feel quite safe yet. It's an opportunity also for you to, to experience the same thing in your house. Our, our, our hope for the next few months is that we can just set a course in which you love church more than you've ever loved it. If you want to just continue to come online, lean into your groups, we hope you do that. And just have the, the, the no pressure of saying, you know what, I can just get up and worship God this morning. I can just stay online and worship God. And if you come to one of these gatherings, there's not going to be huge setup teams. There's not going to be huge um, greeting teams and all that. But we still want you to serve. We want you to use your gifts. So if you're a people person, we want you. Maybe you get there five minutes early and say, you know what, I'm going to welcome some people. If you're a servant you like to do behind the scenes, maybe you get there a little early and you say, I'm going to help set chairs out. If you want to work with the kids, if you've been missing working with the kids, hey, maybe you say, you know what, I'll volunteer to, to help out um, with the kids. But I really want to encourage you. We're about to lean into this season. And we're, instead of saying we're going to do a full church, we're not calling these campuses. We're calling them gatherings. We're just going to provide a place where you can come and gather together and worship with those of us who are either staying online or even in the studio. And so there's an RSVP that you're going to be able to see. And we're still testing it out. You can also just email me at joel at connectionpoint.church. But if you'll do this and just let us know you're coming so we can be prepared. If you have guests, invite your guests as well uh, in RSVP. RSVP for your kids if you're going to inspiration. But if you'll do this, I really think we're about to do exactly what, what we've been talking about in this message. We're going to, to share what God has given us. We're just going to lean in and we're going to love the lot in life. 
I really believe that some of us are going to look back on the next, uh, in a year or two years, we're going to look back and we're going to say, man, what a great time when we would just show up at, at, at these gatherings. And it wasn't about uh, having to organize every little detail, but we just had a lot of grace and we just showed up and we worshiped God. And, and, and it wasn't a lot of pressure. It was just an opportunity to love the Lord. That's my hope for us. Whatever you're facing this week, whatever you've been through, and you think, you know what, how can I enjoy life? How can I, how can I love life right now? Understand that God has given you a lot, and he has given you the power to enjoy your lot, and that lot is this. It is a lot of joy. Let's pray. Lord, for every single person who is longing to gather together, I pray that you're about to bring them into a season in our church where by gathering together, they can find joy and they can lean into this new season that we're starting and we're excited to be in. Lord, for those that are anxious about this week because of the, the election, and, and we think that one way or the other, life might be turned upside down. Lord, I pray that we'll zoom out and we'll realize, wait a second, you have always provided everything you said you would. You have given us our daily bread. You have put a roof over our head. You have given us clothes to wear. You have always provided. So Lord, rather than letting us live in a life that has not happened, in a future that has not happened, Lord, I pray in this moment, every single day, we'll realize you have given us a lot, circumstances in life, a lot of joy. Lord, I pray we will have the power to enjoy what you have given us. And we won't deny what you have given us because we're, we're so uh, fixed on fixing injustices that we have no control over or, or reaching things, upgrades that will never truly last or even hoarding and saving all the things that will never truly bring us closer to you. Lord, I pray that this is a week and a year of joy because you have given us the power of Christ to enjoy every circumstance. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.